Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Well, welcome to this hour of the program. It is Afternoons on News Talk 770. Rob Breckenridge with you here on this Monday afternoon. 403 974 8255 is our number. You can phone us, text us, same number, 403-974-TALK. We're going to talk about carbon taxes in this hour. We'll have some audio coming up a little bit later on from Premier Rachel Notley, who has staked out some interesting territory here in response to this proposed federal carbon pricing plan. Now, I think some are noting what seems like hypocrisy on the Premier's part. Say, wait a sec, why is it okay for you to introduce a carbon tax, but now suddenly you've got a problem with Ottawa doing the same thing? And at the same time, facing uh, here in Alberta, a lot of opposition to that provincial carbon tax plan. But I think this makes it almost easier to sell a carbon tax in Alberta, because if Alberta's not doing it, Ottawa is going to step in and impose one anyway. So I think that's going to put some of the opposition parties on their back heels a little bit here. But why are we doing this and what are we achieving by doing this? And furthermore, what does this new federal pricing plan mean for Alberta? Because Ottawa is essentially saying to the provinces, if you don't do this, we will. And I guess Alberta can turn around and say, well, we already are. Now we get into the specifics of the pricing, when those prices take effect, and, you know, who's doing more. Uh, Joining us to try to sort out some of this, very pleased to welcome uh, back to the program, Trevor Toome, Assistant Professor of Economics, University of Calgary. Good afternoon, Trevor. Good afternoon. Great to be here. Well, this is interesting. Now, we we knew that Ottawa was considering its own carbon pricing plan, and and obviously that's complicated by the fact that they're negotiating with the provinces. Some provinces have priced carbon, others have cap-and-trade systems in place. So what does this announcement today mean? So there's not a lot of details in today's announcements, and it will be very important what those details are. I mean, you have Quebec and Ontario with a cap-and-trade system, and that system yields a relatively low price compared to the $30 a ton carbon tax that BC and Alberta will soon have. So how they treat systems in different provinces will be critical. Also here in Alberta, we have two systems, one for the carbon tax that uh, small businesses and most households will notice, and then another system for large emitters, and in particular the oil sands. And so how the federal government treats these different systems will be a critical thing to watch for going forward. Okay, so if Ottawa's price is at or lower than Alberta's price, then is it understood then that the Alberta price is what would prevail, that that would be the the going rate, essentially? That's right. It sounds like this will be something that is a minimum, and the federal government will simply make up the difference up to that minimum if a province is falling below it. And this is critical for Ontario and Quebec. Uh, They will comply by 2018, but the 2019 federal minimum will be about $20, which at that point will exceed the carbon price of those cap-and-trade systems. And so uh, there's going to be some delicate negotiations going on, or uh, Ontario and Quebec will have to think about scrapping cap-and-trade and and replacing it with a carbon tax. I mean, that's the way I'd go. 
Well, I was going to say, from an economist's perspective, that would be uh, sensible to make that change. Indeed, and it will depend on Ontario's election as well. The opposition PC party there, for example, is campaigning uh, explicitly on a revenue-neutral carbon tax, and this new federal plan um, sort of works better under that system than the current cap-and-trade. Okay, now Alberta's carbon tax rate eventually climbs. I think it maxes out several years down the road at $300 a ton. We start at 20 we go to 30 so come 2022, for example, the federal minimum, the federal floor would be $50 a ton. Where does that leave Alberta? So Alberta's carbon tax under Bill 20 that was passed earlier this year, the tax stops at $30 a ton and does not grow any further after that. Uh, so that means that we have until 2020 to increase it to $40 in 2021. Um, so the $30 a ton will be in compliance with this federal program for at least the next four years. All right. So it, it's possible that we might have to either raise our own rate or have Ottawa step in and, and do it for us. That's right. And it, it looks like, uh, I mean, it would be much easier just to raise our rate because it would be a little odd for the federal government to then top up our carbon tax because they've committed to keeping the revenue raised from whatever carbon price they impose in the province from which it was levied. And so you'd have the federal government collecting a tax only just to then uh, write a check to the provinces. And so it'd be much simpler just to uh, have the province uh, move up to the federal minimum level. Okay, and that, that's a crucial point. Uh, I mean, uh, BC has taken the position that they, they want their carbon tax to be revenue neutral, so they offset it by reducing other taxes. The Alberta government has maintained that they're going to spend that money, try to invest in, in green technology, etc. They've got their own plans. So Ottawa doesn't have a plan here to necessarily collect any revenue at all from this. That's right. Every dollar, I mean, we'll have to wait to see the details, but yeah. the verbal announcement today was that every dollar raised through whatever carbon price the Fed needs to put in place will stay in the province that it was from. And what I literally take from that to mean is that they will simply increase the federal transfer to the provincial government by exactly as much as they raise in whatever carbon revenue they do. For Alberta, this could be fairly substantial. It's tough to uh, make a forecast that far out into the future, but we're talking really here a move from 30 to $50, depending on how it's structured, could be anywhere between 3 to $4 billion a year uh, in revenue. And so the government here will need to think about what they want to do with that revenue. Do they want to make that incremental revenue revenue neutral by lowering other taxes or maybe uh, putting it towards the deficit? I mean, hopefully we get some clarity on that point over the next little while. Explain, well, I mean, it shouldn't need explaining. I mean, to me, revenue neutral seems fairly simple, that you, you put a price on carbon not to raise money, um, but to discourage emissions. So you can make it revenue neutral and, and still maintain its effectiveness. So what, what does true revenue neutrality look like? Right. I think it's very important to separate environmental policy from fiscal policy. Certainly, if you put a price on carbon, there will be revenue implications for a government. But we should be thinking about this not as a tool to increase the size of government, uh, but as a tool of correcting a market failure, an externality. And so I think every dollar that we project a carbon price would bring in uh, should be returned to households and businesses, either through direct rebates or by lowering other taxes, and hopefully by lowering the most distortionary types of taxes, like corporate and personal income taxes. And then if we want to increase the size of government, which is a completely separate conversation, then we should have that in the context of 
raising other taxes. We shouldn't view or we shouldn't muddy the waters by linking a carbon price with uh, the left-right divide over the size of government. Right. And, and I mean, as, as an aside, I know you, you've written about this and the issue came up last week uh, on this program that, that this is uh, akin to uh, a sales tax. And, and what do you, you say to people who, who make that? Comparison? Yeah, I, I'd say that's a pure political comparison. A sales tax and a carbon tax are extremely different. It's absolutely true that a carbon tax will increase the price of things, but it will increase the price of carbon intensive things much, much more than the price of other things, whereas a sales tax is this uniform thing you pay, the same 5% GST on everything you buy. And so it's very important to uh, distinguish these taxes. Sales taxes are a fairly efficient way for a government to raise revenue, whereas a carbon tax is a fairly inefficient way to raise revenue. All right. Now, when we look at the federal plan, even though they they say they're going to be leaving money in the various provinces, there's nothing that Ottawa is doing to, to... make it revenue neutral from their perspective. There's no talk here of, of any offsetting federal tax cuts. Well, they're not going to keep the revenue raised from the carbon price into the federal budget. They'll simply right. turn around and from their perspective, immediately return it to the provinces. Um, and it would be very tough for them to target individual provinces by changing tax rates, for example, because then you'd have a system where very carbon-intensive economies like Alberta and Saskatchewan would be contributing disproportionately more than they receive back in the offsetting tax reductions. And so I think if you want to target this uh, to keep money in each province from which the carbon revenue is raised, then that would need to take the form of a direct transfer to the provincial government and then let them decide what to do with it. All right. So provinces would certainly have the flexibility if they wanted to to offset uh, the federal carbon price, but that's going to be up to the provinces. Absolutely. And so if we want a revenue neutral federal carbon tax program, then we need to look to our provincial governments in order to implement that. Now, how effective do you suspect this will be? I mean, is this is this going to lead to uh, emissions reductions? Can, can we point to evidence where, where this approach has achieved that? Right. So certainly if you put a tax on something, you are going to get less of it. Uh, The question is how much less. If we look to BC, for example, uh, the $30 per ton carbon tax there, estimates vary, but you get between 5 to 15% reduction in emissions below where it would have otherwise have been. But this differs across provinces. Alberta, for the same $30 a ton, is going to get less emissions reductions than BC. It really depends on uh, where the cheap abatement options are. So some places it might be more difficult to lower emissions than other places. And Canada, relative to the world, you know, we might have higher cost abatement options. And so the same price on carbon here would result in less emissions reductions than that carbon price somewhere else. But that's okay as far as I'm concerned. I mean, the cost of the emission is that it affects the climate and that imposes costs on others around the world. And we should try to estimate those costs, and many people do. Uh, they're certainly not, the you know, estimates vary. But if we price our emissions at an appropriate level, uh, then I think that's where the conversation should end. And we should care a lot less about our specific provinces or countries' emissions and just concern ourselves with global emissions and what uh, the price is 
that would help us achieve a particular global emission. Right. Now, you know, Canada reducing its emissions, that, that's certainly us doing our part. But in terms then of a, of a price offsetting the social cost of carbon, in terms of the overall effectiveness of a global response, that very much does depend on what other jurisdictions do. Yeah, and Environment Canada has recently updated their social cost of carbon estimates, and the range is really big. But if we pick some of the lower end of their range, it uh, depends on different parameters in these models, but their kind of midpoint estimate is around 40 to $50 by the 2022 range when the feds want it to get to $50. And so I'd say the prices announced by the federal government are not obviously too high, uh, or too low from the perspective of the social cost of carbon. And so as long as that price is levied you know, broadly on as many priceable emissions as we can, then it doesn't matter to me what the quantity uh, emitted by Canada is. It's the $50 price per ton that represents us doing our part. Right. Now, is, is this federal plan strictly a carbon pricing plan, or are there other caps and, and regulations that are going to come with this? Yeah, this is, again, something where the devil will be in the details. And so what we're going on is really just some verbal announcements made by the prime minister today. Uh, and those details are sure to be rolled out. I, I hope that there isn't a lot of other things layered on top. So the oil sands cap that the Alberta government uh, announced along with our carbon price, I think is not really the optimal way you want to approach emissions reductions. We should want to lower our emissions in the cheapest possible way. And that means a price, not distortionary revenue. Uh, sorry, distortionary regulation. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, as you say, the devil is in the details and we'll have to wait for some of those. Uh, but appreciate uh, some analysis here, at least preliminary as it is, Trevor. Thanks for this. My pleasure. Take All care. right. You too. Trevor Toom, economist, University of Calgary. Uh, his thoughts on this uh, federal carbon pricing plan, what it's likely to mean for Alberta. But I think what it does uh, for those who say, look, we're going to scrap the NDP carbon tax. Well, now what? Because either way, there's going to be one. If it's not going to be the provincial rate, then the feds are going to step in with their own floor and say, here's the price, uh, and then rebate that money back to Alberta. 403-974-TALK is a number, 403-974-8255. Your calls, your texts. We got some audio from Premier Notley we'll get to as well. And why she says for now she's not supporting this federal plan. So that's uh, still to come as well. It's afternoons on News Talk 770. Uh, totally random song, nothing to do with the Prime Minister, but uh, nonetheless, 403-974-8255. We're talking about Justin Trudeau's announcement today of a new federal carbon pricing plan setting a floor, basically, the provinces will be expected to, to reach or exceed. Uh, but uh, if they don't, uh, the federal rate will, will kick in. Statement released here by Wildrose leader Brian Jean says, Ottawa's plan to impose a carbon tax on all provinces is one I do not support and will never support. Albertans can be assured Wild Rose will campaign on repealing the NDP's carbon tax and being a champion for the vast majority of Albertans who do not support a carbon tax being forced on us by the Liberal government in Ottawa. Premier Notley should not be offering any support for this plan, period. Tying a single pipeline approval to taxation sets a dangerous precedent, and Alberta needs to make it clear to Prime Minister Trudeau this will never be acceptable. A province's economic interests should not be held hostage by politicians in Ottawa. The reality is families in Alberta need a break. Raising taxes and making life more expensive is not a solution. The National Energy Board exists to independently assess pipeline projects and balance both economic and environmental interests. Let's let the regulator do its job, recognize the importance of our energy sector to the national economy, and have politicians get out of the way. All right, so that from Wild Rose leader Brian Jean. Now, nowhere in that does Brian Jean say 
here's what we'll do to reduce emissions. Now, if he plans on doing nothing to reduce emissions, then okay, fine. Then he should at least be willing to say that. There's the opportunity here for him to say, fine, we'll let the federal rate apply, and every cent that that collects, we're going to to reduce other taxes. And we'll ensure that, that life under this federal carbon tax does not get more expensive because we'll offset it with other tax reductions. We'll reduce income tax. We'll reduce corporate tax. We'll make it truly revenue neutral. Now, some people texting to say there's no such thing as a revenue neutral carbon tax. That's wishful thinking. Well, no, it's not. All it takes is political will. I mean, B.C.'s carbon tax is revenue neutral by law. Now, I know politicians tend to favor raising taxes over lowering taxes, but it's not as though governments have never lowered taxes. Some governments have. So there is an opportunity to say, look, we'll make this carbon tax truly revenue neutral. Uh, And the opportunity is there. At least for now, the federal government says that we're not going to collect a dime of this. uh, That anything raised by this, this federal carbon price will stay in that province. Let's go to the phones, 403-974-8255. Steve has called in. Hi, Steve. Yeah, hi. Uh, your point that if they do opt out, um, or if the uh, Wild Rose comes in and says, well, we're going to scrap the NDP carbon tax. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the 1995 when Jean Chrétien stopped the health care transfer payments? I was waiting for an eye transplant, and uh, health care payments were stopped. Until and uh, uh, when Ralph Klein had to uh, stop allowing private clinics to uh, charge fees for uh, for doing uh, things that are supposed to be uh, under the uh, healthcare uh, premier uh, premiums, and uh, Jean Chrétien stopped the transfer. So, if uh, the uh, Wild Rose comes in. And uh, they say we'll scrap the carbon tax. Then the national tax would kick in. I think it's contingent on whether the provinces have a carbon tax or not. If they, if they do, then uh, uh, Junior Pierre Trudeau there will not be able to charge us that we wouldn't. It wouldn't be on us. I think. But if we don't have a carbon tax, then maybe his. Uh, $10 every year tax would kick in. Well, it would. Yeah, that's, that's, that's just it. So appreciate the phone call. So, I mean, that, that's what Brian Jean could say. Say, look, we're going to, to kill the unnecessary provincial carbon tax. And if the feds want to come in and collect a carbon tax and uh, leave the money here, well, we'll make sure that we uh, cut taxes to offset it so nobody pays anything more. That'd be easy to say. That'd be easy to sell, I think. Let's get uh, Owen's call in here. Owen, go ahead. Owen, you there? Okay, guess not. Let's see if uh, George is there. Hey, George. Hey, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Yeah, actually, I believe uh, the federal plan just makes the Alberta plan that much worse. How so? Well, I've actually probably one of the few Albertans that's actually read most of the submissions to the... uh, climate leadership panel that was hosted by Andrew Leach. And uh, by Andrew Leach, yeah. Yeah, and, and of course, I mean, it's it's followed almost word for word in their climate leadership plan that they passed this past May. And the problem with it, the big problem with it, is 
they're committing, even under the starting at 20, rising to 30, possibly by 50 by 2030, if you read their numbers correctly, uh, a plan that actually takes in $53 billion of Albertans' tax taxation, taxes us that much over those 14 years. And the benefit that we get out of $53 billion spent is only a 67 metric or megaton reduction, a cumulative reduction. So over 14 years, we managed to reduce 67 megatons of emissions. That works out to $791 per metric ton. So their carbon price on uh, on emissions is only that. It, it, it's pricing out the emissions, but it's not providing any sort of equivalency back to effectiveness in reducing for $500 million. Well, we don't know what they're doing with the money. That's part of the problem. Now, they're yeah, trying to the argue best. that that's going to speed up innovation and that we'll be able to transition more easily to less carbon-intensive uh, sources of energy. But we, but we don't know correct, that. But correct. obviously, a future government can come in and and instead choose to, to offset that carbon tax with other tax reductions. Correct. But Andrew and his panel calculated all of that in, and, and their best estimate uh, over the 14 years was they would manage to prevent 67 megatons of carbon by spending $53 billion. And they made a mistake. They forgot that 35 to 42 megatons of uh, emissions are currently prevented by the use of fly ash from coal power plants. So if you shut down coal power plants, there's another 5 to 6 million tons, so megatons, of carbon emissions that are no longer available to you. They've made some serious mistakes here, and, and they need to revisit these plans. Okay, well, George, I don't, I don't know what that has to do with the federal plan, though. Well, it has everything to do with the federal plan, because what we're talking about is getting into a situation where we're spending a whole bunch of money and still missing targets or not, not even coming close to meeting targets. There's other technologies out there right now that Alberta could put in place over the next six years. Well, with what? So now you're suggesting we, we do spend money on that stuff? Very small amounts. For one-tenth the amount that they're talking about, I could save 10 times the amount of carbon emissions. They do not look at this from a scientific basis. It has nothing to do with reducing emissions. It's purely a tax grab, and they refuse to look at the technologies that are currently uh, being implemented across the state well, if it's over a tax in grab, other parts of the world. Well, if it's a tax grab, why isn't the money going into general revenue? It is. Well, but it's not, right? It's it's all going to be spent. Like, they're not going yeah, to use this to, to reduce the deficit or anything. Yeah, it's being spent in, in general revenue. It's providing a 1% uh, uh, tax drop for small business, which is only $240 million, uh out of the total over five years. They're also rebating uh, consumers. Yeah, they're rebating consumers. To, to, right, yeah, and that, to, some to, of that's going to come from it, sure. Yeah. Right? To, to, to make them think. But the main thing they're doing is they're taking... The majority of that $53 billion is going to be spent trying to drive up the adoption of up to 33% or higher uh, wind and solar capacity in the province. And if you do that, then you end up in the exact same situation that Ontario is currently in and Southern Australia is in, where you triple the price of electricity and you get unreliable power. You get blackouts every time the system can't handle... Okay. George, i, I got to run. appreciate the phone call. We're going to keep going with this after one thirty. We'll play for you some of what Premier Notley had to say today. 403-974-8255. Back with more right after this. Afternoons on News Talk 770. Welcome back. Rob Breckenridge with you. 
Uh, we're going to hear from uh, Calgary MP Michelle Rempel coming up after 2 o'clock, and it certainly ties in with everything we're talking about here, uh, what's happening with the Alberta economy, uh, and concern about job losses. And, and, you know, going back to that poll last week, it shows two-thirds of Albertans oppose the Notley government's carbon tax. I think this is a big reason why. But I think people are judging this carbon tax based on their overall impression of this government, whether they're prepared to do anything that will actually benefit the economy. Right, so I, I think this, is, this speaks to a loss of faith in the Notley government and how so much of their agenda, they just seem uh, immune to any concern, any consideration that it might have some negative impact on the economy, and it's just full steam ahead on all fronts. So I, I think, unfortunately, that the Notley government, which ironically is, is the first in Alberta to introduce a, a market-wide uh, price on carbon, is actually doing a lot to undermine the very idea. Right? It would be quite simple and straightforward for the other parties to say, look, we'll design a better carbon pricing plan. But I just think the, the NDP is making the idea uh, that much more toxic, just with everything else they're doing. So the expectation is over the next five years that Alberta's carbon tax would bring in about almost $10 billion, 9.6 is what the government's estimating. They say they're going to spend just over $2 billion of that is going to go to, to the rebates. And not everybody's going to get a rebate, obviously. Uh, $3.4 billion is to be spent on major renewable energy projects, whatever that ends up being. Another $2.2 billion on green infrastructure. Again, whatever that ends up being. Keep in mind, by the way, that uh, public transit is actually going to pay the carbon tax. Uh, there is the $865 million, the cut in the small business tax rate, the $645 million on efficiency, Energy Efficiency Alberta, which is a new agency, and then $195 million uh, for Indigenous people and for those communities dependent on coal to, to help them adjust. That's what they're doing with the, uh, the revenue from this, this carbon tax. Now, the Premier uh, has staked out a position here today that she will support the federal plan only if... The federal government is prepared to support pipelines. Uh, Premier Notley uh, scrummed with reporters a little bit earlier here, and I want to share some of what the Premier had to say about this idea. Well, to be clear, what, what we have said is that we understand that uh, a common uh, carbon price amongst provinces is actually, in principle, it's a good idea. And, and indeed, we've put a great deal of work into our climate leadership plan, and we think we're probably, in many ways, the best positioned province uh, to be able to move forward on such a thing. That being said, however, it is our view that this has to be concurrent with a pipeline. An ambitious public policy move like this, even one as worthwhile as this, needs to be built on top of a, of, a fundamentally um, healthy economic foundation. And a new pipeline is what will give that not only to Alberta, but to all of Canada. And so as far as we're concerned, we can't be talking about uh, the sort of prices that, that uh, got rolled out today um, until we get a commitment from this federal government that they are going to move on this fundamentally important economic piece that Albertans need, and quite frankly, all Canadians you need. You never tied it to this before. Was there one event, or what, 
prompted the change of policy? I think, well, I think, I think really what's going on here, as I've said, is as much as we understand the need to move on climate change, when you start looking at prices like the one that is being discussed today, um, it becomes necessary to talk about what is the economic foundation on which that kind of price uh, will rest. And it needs to be a healthy one. It needs to be one that's growing. It needs to be one that creates prosperity all across the country, as Albertans, as you know, have contributed to Canada's prosperity uh, for many, many years. And uh, now we are saying, in order for us to continue doing that, in order for us to come back from the uh, oil price crash that we're all experiencing from, we need Canada to have our backs, and we need to get a pipeline. And, uh, and we think that the two are aligned. We think that uh, the economic prosperity that comes from that pipeline is exactly what we need to move forward on an ambitious climate change plan, which we also support absolutely fundamentally, because we know it's the right thing to do. But you have to do it together in a way that aligns those interests. How much hesitation was there on this in terms of the price uh, we've been aware that they were talking about the price, um, but uh, we, we didn't know that, that, that it was going to be uh, unrolled like it was today. What do you mean by that? I mean, did it come as a surprise in terms of how it was unrolled on a $50 uh, we were aware that going forward that, that uh, I mean, you can't really uh, dig too far into the issue of carbon pricing to uh, not understand that, that there needed to be, uh, th that that kind of price was something that we'd have to get to eventually. Um, and so it wasn't a complete surprise that way. Um, but certainly, um, as far as I'm concerned, I would have liked to have seen um, uh, greater commitment uh, to the, the economic fundamentals that the country of Canada need to have in place before we rolled out this price. When you say that though, the economy in Alberta is kind of not great right now, so mm -hmm. you're putting in a carbon tax on an economy that has no base to it. I'm just kind of not gripping what you're saying. Well, what we did, and, and that's a really good point, and so with the climate leadership plan that we are putting in place, uh, what we did was we analyzed what uh, the current state of play could accommodate in terms of moving forward on our climate change plan. We believe that the price that, that uh, we are moving towards by 2018 can be accommodated within the current economic situation. But we also know um, that that had to come hand in hand with uh, movement on uh, a pipeline. And uh, now at this point when we're talking about these additional costs moving forward, we believe that much more strongly that it must be done with a pipeline. And to be clear, it's not just Alberta, it's all of Canada. You've always, sorry, you've always said, Premier, that you can get the social license, these things will happen. This mm -hmm. is basically an admission social license isn't going to get us? No, not necessarily. I think the conversation is still underway and all I'm doing is contributing to it. And so the two are, need to be aligned and that is the point that we are making. And I do think that this is part of the social license conversation, uh, both nationally as well as internationally. But the point is, is that we can't forget the fact that this can't be built on anything other than the best economic decisions that the federal government can make. And in my view, that means uh, undoing the landlock that Alberta is suffering from right now. We must get a pipeline to Tidewater. Which one? Are you talking about like Kinder Morgan or is there one you want to see? I want a pipeline to Tidewater. All right, there you go. That's Premier Rachel Notley today. Her reaction to the federal plan and uh, her decision for now to withhold support for it until she gets some assurances on pipelines. Now, obviously, Energy East is still working its way through the uh, NEB process. Uh, but Trans Mountain, uh, the uh, proposed expansion of that pipeline, is uh, waiting for a federal decision. And so it would be pretty easy for uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau to say, well, yeah, we will get behind that. We're going to approve that, that project and make sure it gets built.
But some questions for Notley that why is it okay to introduce your own carbon tax without any assurances about uh, pipelines? And yet now you expect that uh, of a federal plan. Uh, 403-974-8255. We'll come back with uh, more of your calls and your text uh, on this issue here. It's afternoons on News Talk 770. Right, welcome back. Afternoons on News Talk 770. Uh, Brad Wall coming out swinging, the Saskatchewan Premier. Uh, his statement, let me just read a part of it here. It says, I cannot believe that while the country's environment ministers were meeting on a so-called collaborative climate change plan, the Prime Minister stood in the House of Commons and announced a carbon tax unilaterally. This meeting is not worth the CO2 emissions it took for the environment ministers to get there. The level of disrespect shown by the Prime Minister and his government today is stunning. This is a betrayal of the statements made by the Prime Minister in Vancouver this March. And this new tax will damage our economy. The bottom line is the Saskatchewan economy, already hurting from a downturn in commodity prices, will be one of the hardest hit by a new federal carbon tax because of our trade-exposed resource industries. The carbon tax will siphon over $2.5 billion from Saskatchewan's economy when fully implemented and will make our province a less competitive price to do business. Well, and some strong words from Brad Wall. I, I think the point that you could raise is that if indeed... This money is going to stay in the province where it is collected. Then there's nothing stopping the wall government or any government in Canada from reducing other taxes to offset the impact. And hopefully that's what will happen. Let's go back to the phones. Have more time for your calls. Uh, this is Cliff. Cliff, welcome to the program. Hey, thank you. Hi. Uh, I get the feeling that, um, and, and reinforced by what we heard from uh, um, the leader of the Wildwood Party, uh, that... Maybe the Wildwest Party, uh, and probably not the only one, missed an opportunity to kind of shape this carbon tax uh, argument, uh, assuming it's uh, that such was more or less on its way regardless. I mean, the real politic of it was that if carbon tax, like in the future, a provincial sales tax, is coming. Um, and yet by stepping back and saying, you know, never, never will we countenance such a thing, uh, you lose the opportunity to... to uh, uh, form it so that you know you, you can't say well hey i mean defense against the bullying if you want to give brad wall if that's his sentiment by the prime minister is to say well look we got our own um and we're doing it this way and that and uh, at least you've got some footing to uh to shape the uh the outcome i mean uh, i remember back in the days when i'd knock on doors for the wilders party and, and specifically in, in the last provincial election campaign, um, I uh, spoke to some policy folks in Wilder's party and said, you know, this carbon tax thing, I mean, it hasn't reared its ugly head at this moment. It's not a campaign issue necessarily, but it's going to, and why not steal the the coming thunder, so to speak, you know? And they'd have none of it. It was a sort of a doctrinaire approach, and, and again, uh, I think r- repeated here uh, by by uh, the leader of the Wilders Party, that this is never going to happen on our watch, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Rob, earlier you said that you alluded to the, the revenue neutral format. Uh, and by, you know, for a while now, we've had some experience, I think, from BCs telling us that it's not, you're not imposing Armageddon on the economy necessarily if you go the revenue neutral route. Is that not the case? That of what? Say that again? I'd say it's not. It's not a disaster for the economy, a carbon tax, uh, if you're going with the revenue neutral. Right. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. Yeah. And uh, so we don't have that here. Um, by taking an initiative and say, look, by, by saying a carbon tax was on its way, uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's what we need. 
uh, I'm, I'm I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying the real politic of it, the actual, the reality of it was that uh, we could not continue to sell on a worldwide basis uh, to customers who, uh, without showing them uh, some uh, some movement on, on, on that front. And who cares if there's a carbon tax if your customers will pay it, right? Or if they're forced to pay it. I mean, the price of oil is is inelastic enough that. You can raise the price or lower it. People still use roughly the same amount, apart from a sort of a global uh, wind down of the economy like we've had, right, when the demand destruction occurs. So the Wild Rose could have gone ahead and made this their issue, and I suppose that they thought, uh, and some said that to me as I was pontificating on on this uh, particular issue, that they would lose too much of their constituency. But, well, there's their constituency right now, and they've got carbon taxes headed their way mm-hmm. and they've had absolutely no input or influence on how they've been constructed all right appreciate the phone call cliff thanks for that let's get uh, drew in here drew go ahead oh yeah go ahead yeah i just want to make a quick point on the uh, alternative energy uh, side of it because i know it's, it's somewhat important um the fact that uh, you know that guy from south africa elon musk came out with uh, the new Tesla three model car, which is basically a luxury car, they're thirty only thirty five thousand uh, dollars. There's a waiting list now; it's just approaching five hundred thousand people that have paid a thousand dollar deposit on a car they've never seen before and doesn't count till twenty seventeen. Uh, I think he's he's hit the mark on that. It's going to have a huge impact uh, because now that's not even including the sales of the Model S, the Model X, and. Uh, the other two that he has uh, slated out, he has a truck uh, that's coming out. So he's got a bunch of things that are on the go. But the thing that I think is the most important is the fact that he built up Solar City to be uh, what it is right now that just merged together with Tesla. So on one side, you got Tesla building the cars, and then you got Solar City, basically, where uh, New York State just spent $700 million on a new facility to pump out 10,000 solar panels a day, and that's just one facility. And then you've got this gigafactory down in uh, Nevada right now that's pumping out what's called a power wall, which is going to go together with the solar city uh, solar panels, where you can power your house completely off the grid both day and both night. So there's a huge surge, I think, coming in the alternative energy sector that nobody's talking about. And I think it's going to make a massive dent. And I think the governments know that this is going to happen. And I think they're scrambling to try to figure out ways to look to make up the lost revenue that they're going to lose in gasoline and everything else when they're putting in power stations. There's 15,000 of them right now worldwide that Tesla's put in, where you get to charge your car for free. So essentially, you buy a Tesla 3 for $35,000, you don't have to pay for fuel anymore. Right. You know, And I think part of the idea of a, of a carbon tax is to, to change the, the equation and, and maybe make other forms of energy more price competitive. So I, I think the carbon tax on its own accomplishes that. I don't know that we need the Alberta government or any other government saying, you know, we're going to give Tesla billions of dollars, or we're going to pump billions of dollars into this other company. I, I think just doing the carbon tax is enough, and then you just you sit back and you let the market figure it out. Yeah, and this is all market-driven. This isn't. There's a bit of an incentive. I think there's an $8,500 uh, tax credit for buying a, an electric car in Quebec and then a $3,500 one in Ontario, but nobody else has them in Ontario. Oh, actually, BC has one as well. Um, I don't think the government is going to have anything to do about this. This is all going to be consumers that are – the people in Ontario are tired of getting, you know, like – overcharged for the hydro uh so if you can buy a power wall for thirty five hundred dollars and then uh five years after having it installed on your house with the solar panels you're off the grid i think people are going to go for it 
Yeah, I don't think it's going to be there's going to be anything that uh, the government's not going to say. Well, you know, we'll give you subsidies or we'll give you some sort of an incentive to switch over to green alternatives. People are just going to do it on their own because it's, it's it's more beneficial for them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well said. Good point, Drew. Appreciate the phone call. Got to take another quick break, and we'll come back. Some clothing uh, closing. Thoughts on this? More time for your calls, your texts, your 403-974-8255. We're back after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.